0: Hello, Res Life family, Pastor Tim with you today again, and excited to give you some good news. <laughs> are you, uh, you ready for some good news? Uh, today's message is called Good News, um, and it comes out of a verse in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Uh, this hit me this week when I was reading uh, through the book of Isaiah, and it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. So I want to talk about that verse today. And as we get into this, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to look at your word and to hear what you are saying to us today. Lord, our our faith is in you. We know that you are with us, you're for us. And I pray that your word will go forth today in our hearts and it will... Produce the results that you have sent it to produce. It will accomplish that for which you are sending it to us, that we will receive from you your truth. Um, we'll be inspired and we'll be uh, launched into your plans and your purposes for our lives. And may this good news encourage us and may it motivate us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, what is this good news um, that the uh, Isaiah, the prophet, is speaking of, or that God is is uh, saying through Isaiah? So, this is in Isaiah chapter fifty-two, and just a few verses later, at the end of chapter fifty-two, we begin to see the unfolding of the, the great promise that God would send a deliverer. Today, we would call that the Messiah. Or we would refer to that or that person as Jesus, right? So the good news is Jesus. Anytime I ask you a question, usually the answer is Jesus, okay? So keep that in mind. But I want to just share this good news with you today and how God has called us to be the proclaimers of this good news, to proclaim salvation, to proclaim peace, to declare our God reigns, because he does reign. And we are living in a world right now where it doesn't look like there's a lot of good things going on. But God is still going to send uh, a deliverer, right? Jesus has already come once, but he's coming again. And we got to keep our eyes on him and be encouraged and share this good news with others. So let me read for you what uh, really probably the most quoted, uh, some of the most, the most quoted chapter in the New Testament. Um, and it is a prophecy of Jesus coming uh, to to rescue us. It's in Isaiah chapter 53. Just before that though, it starts, this dialogue starts at the end of chapter 52. So Isaiah 52 verses 13, and I'm going to read through uh, chapter 53 through 7. So just enjoy this. Think about this. This is Jesus, what God has come to do to deliver us. Now in the context here in this day and age, the Israelites were enduring a long exile uh, from the land by the hands of the Babylonians. And the prophet Isaiah was moved by God to prophesy and declare that their deliverance or their return to the land was going to happen, that God was going to send a deliverer. Now, they were punished, they were exiled because of their sin. And we also today are bound by sin. Humanity is bound by sin. And there is no hope we've been exiled from the presence of god we have been bound by sin broken by sin suffering under sin just as in the natural the israelites had been taken out of their land suffering in bondage at the hands of the babylonians because of their waywardness with god because of their sin because they didn't follow him they didn't remain in fellowship with him uh, God was teaching them that you you cannot do this life without me. He's teaching you and me the same thing today. And all who will listen, we cannot do life without God. We were made to have a relationship with him. And so even in the midst of our sin, the good news is that God has sent a deliverer. He still loves us. He still cares for us. And he is going to rescue us. So to the culture at the time, this was great news that they... God hasn't totally given up on them. God was going to rescue them, even, if, even though they had messed up, even though they had sinned, even though they had broken God's covenant. God was going to go to them and rescue them out of their troubles and return them to the land and restore them to fellowship with him and restore them to a place of blessing. And so all of this in the context of reading it in the eyes of those who were there but also through our eyes today, we can see a great parallel. So let's enjoy this uh, prophecy of Jesus. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. We know that Jesus was suffering and he was beaten and he was scarred and he was torn his body was ravished the bible says beyond uh beyond any human likeness he was just uh, people were appalled at how he how horribly uh, his body looked because of the punishment he took upon himself so he will sprinkle many nations now that means his blood in the scriptures when the priest would sprinkle things with the blood that meant he was purifying them and he was making them holy right Uh, And so here, cleansing them of sin, so he will sprinkle many nations. So this was a prophecy that what Jesus was doing was allowing him to atone for the nations of the world from their sin, to make them holy. It says, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Now Isaiah 53 begins, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, the arm of the Lord is a Hebrew idiom to mean salvation. You know, when the arm of the Lord represented God's uh, hand moving on behalf of the people. So, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To whom has the salvation of God been shown? Verse 2, he grew up, talking about Jesus, before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So Jesus wasn't like a rock star figure. There was nothing in the human uh, you know appearance and that sort of thing that drew people to Jesus it wasn't that uh, He was humble he suffered and and he was familiar with sorrows and suffering so that he could uh, Relate to us and bear those things for us And he was despised He was despised by people it says in verse 4 surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows our griefs, yet we considered him stricken by God. We thought God was punishing him for something he did, but he was taking our punishment upon himself willingly, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin, and the punishment that brought us peace, that was upon him. This is why this is such a powerful a passage of scripture and by his wounds we are healed by the wounds jesus took upon his body we are healed spiritually we are healed emotionally by the rejection he took we are we are healed financially by the poverty that he endured we are healed physically by the stripes he bore on his back jesus brought healing to us Verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So all of our sin has been laid upon Jesus so that all of us can be set free and forgiven. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. In fact, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It goes on, and at the end, I'll read verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Listen to verse 11. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, that's resurrection, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, many righteous servant, my righteous servant, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. The end of this chapter ends by saying, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, this is, of course, we see this in the light of Jesus. We see this um in the revelation of what jesus actually did we saw this happen it makes sense to us he actually did this and he paid for our sin he paid for our sicknesses our diseases our sorrows our hurts our rejection he took all of that upon himself so that we could be healed and restored and made new we know that is true but in the day that this was shared it was good news to the people that god was going to send someone This someone began began to be known as the Messiah, the anointed one who is going to come, a deliverer, a, a Messiah who would deliver the people and develop or establish a physical kingdom, would set people free. And there are two opinions about this Messiah. One, because of this chapter, he's a suffering servant. Somehow he is going to be suffering on behalf of the people. Somehow he's going to be bearing the guilt and the punishment and the iniquity of the people so that the people are released from their punishment that they deserve. But there's other passages of Scripture, which we're not going to do today, about this, not just a suffering servant or a suffering Messiah, but a victorious, ruling and reigning King Messiah who would establish a kingdom. So a lot of Jews thought there was going to be two different deliverers or two different Messiahs. But we see this is one and the same Jesus. We see two different chapters, really, of the Messiah's work. One we've already experienced and the other we are waiting to see. The first coming of Jesus was to pay for our sin. The second coming of Jesus is to establish his kingdom. This is the good news. And so backing up to our... Our main verse today, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, the people in captivity in Babylon and in the outer, outer, you know, areas, uh, exiled from Israel. The idea is that you would come, someone would come to the people in bondage, exiled from God, exiled from their destiny, exiled from the promised land, exiled from the covenant of God and bring good news and proclaim Uh, peace, and to bring good tidings, and proclaim salvation, and to say, your God reigns. This is a great day when someone shows up like that at your doorstep, or starts shouting that in your neighborhood or to your house or to you personally. And now that is what we get to do today to our world, to our culture. We get to proclaim and bring good news. Proclaim peace, proclaim salvation, proclaim that our God reigns. We need to share this message with others. So what is this good news? There's three or four things I want to break down out of this verse. First of all, bring good news. What What is bringing good news? What is that good news? Well, in the New Testament, it's referred to as Gospel. The gospel means good news. So what is the gospel? Well, of course, we know the gospel or we refer to the gospel often as Jesus dying on a cross and being resurrected for our sin. But actually the gospel that Jesus preached was this. Matthew 4:13. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus is preaching a message and people are seeing signs and wonders of people being healed. Amazing. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the good news. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is the rule of God, the present Rule of God, wherever the kingdom of God is, God is ruling. God is present in that place, in that space, and his power is supreme, right? Wherever God's kingdom is, wherever God's presence is, God is ruling, and he's in control, and he is supreme. The kingdom of God coming to the earth is good news. That means God's rule and reign is coming to an earth that has been uh, ravaged by sin. Put it this way, taken captive by the devil in sin and death and bondage and brokenness and fear and pride and all the other self selfish things that we experience all the time. So we are in a fallen world, sin ravaged creation. The good news is that the kingdom of God is coming into this mess to put it in order. Woo! <laughs> that's what God did. in the very beginning, you remember, there was chaos. Before we saw the world created, the Bible says basically the, the there was darkness, there was formlessness, there was no structure, there was no life, there was no light. And God took all this chaos and he created the world. He created the universe, right? He created... He created all that we see. And then that was cast aside. Sin took over when we entered into an agreement with the devil. We believed the devil instead of believing God. So the good news is that the kingdom of God has come. So there's three phases to the kingdom of God. Number one, Jesus, the first phase, Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God when he showed up his presence represented the kingdom of God. So I'm going to just read for you a couple verses out of John uh, verse uh, chapter 1, where it says, let me just find it real quick. Oh, there it is. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Skipping down to verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to every man, was coming into the world. Jesus is the word. He is the light. He said that when he was here. I'm the light of the world. I'm the life. I'm the truth. So this light enters into the darkness. The kingdom of God shows up when Jesus shows up, right? And so Jesus ushers in this first phase of the kingdom. It says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a human's will or husband's will, but born of God. It's what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus. You must be born again. Not just born of the flesh, born, of, uh, born of, a, of a mother, but born of God, born of the Spirit. So Jesus made a way for us to be born again. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. We can be rescued, we can be saved out of this darkness, out of this brokenness, out of this lifeless existence. So Matthew 4.17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. So here's his message repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near he's talking about himself wherever jesus was on planet earth the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god was present the rule of god was present in jesus and signs of the kingdom the presence of the kingdom followed him everywhere he went luke eleven twenty 20 says but if i jesus is speaking drive out demons by the finger of god then the kingdom of God has come upon you." What's he saying? So the rule of God, the authority of God in Jesus, was stronger and supreme over sickness, over disease, over evil spirits, even over the natural laws of creation. Jesus walked on water, he multiplied bread and fish, he cast out demons, and he healed all who were sick and all diseases. Why? Because the rule of God showed up. Sickness isn't from God, and it's not God's will. Evil spirits are are not agents of God or do not do God's work. They bind people. They deceive people. They harm people. That's not of God. God kicks them out, right? And God can do whatever he wants because he has supreme power. So in Jesus, the kingdom of God showed up on the planet. Like a flashlight in a dark room, boom, Jesus is there. And wherever that light shone, darkness ran. Darkness had no authority, no power over the light in Jesus. There is no competition with the kingdom of God. Wherever the kingdom of God is, God is ruling and reigning. So wherever Jesus was, he was ruling and reigning. Sickness could not trump God's power. There was no disease that God's power didn't have authority over? No evil spirit stronger than the presence of God's rule and reign? None of that, no, no, no. That's why these signs were all around Jesus because the kingdom was there. And this is the message that Jesus was preaching. Repent, come to God, come back because the kingdom of God is here. It's near, it's right here. It started, phase one. Now, phase two of the kingdom is the birth of the church. In Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Jesus said this before he left in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He says, all authority, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. I'm its representative. I have all authority, all authority over all these other things, everything. Then he is giving this authority to his disciples and he says this, therefore you go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you so get out there and teach and speak and proclaim the same message that you have received from me to repent for the kingdom of god is here and surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age and so he also said this, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, the works that I have been doing, the signs that you see, the evidence of the kingdom of God, the rule of God right here, you will also be doing. You will do even greater than things than these because I'm going to the Father." And the implication is what he would say later in Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we are living in this phase right now, phase two of the kingdom of God. The church, the church is filled with the Spirit of God. The church is to do and continue to do the same things that Jesus was doing, invading the darkness, rescuing people out of bondage, rescuing people out of sickness and disease, rescuing people out of death itself with the good news that the kingdom of God is here. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what we're doing. The good news that we get to share with people is uh, they are bound but can be free right? They are dead, but they can be alive. They've been alienated from God, but they can be restored in relationship to him. The Messiah, the promised one has come. He has made a way. He has lit a path for us to follow, to get back to God and to be restored again to life. That's the good news of the kingdom. And uh, that's what we get to uh, proclaim today. We get to bring this good news to people. And the third phase of the kingdom of God is when Jesus returns. When he returns, he will establish his kingdom worldwide. First, the kingdom of God is invisible and spiritual. And it's on the inside of men's hearts, right? Mankind. The kingdom as Jesus taught it, is not something that you see out here at first. It's in here. It's spiritual. It is is a freedom and a life that comes from a surrendered heart to Jesus by faith, receiving the Messiah, receiving your Savior, receiving your Deliverer, your Redeemer, your Healer, pledging and surrendering your life to him because you don't have life anyway. It's almost like you're surrendering your death to him to receive his life. And when you do that, when I do that, when anyone does that, anyone who calls on Jesus, who places our faith in the Messiah, who is our Savior and our Lord, we come alive, we're born again, and the kingdom is in us. The rule of God is in us now. We belong to God. We're born into the family of God. We're born of God. And so first and foremost, the kingdom is invisible and spiritual, but eventually the kingdom of God will be visible and physical when Jesus returns. And in the meantime, we see, we're kind of in this transition from the invisible to the visible, we're seeing more things like Jesus, we're seeing the signs of the kingdom. We'll see a breakout of the the rule of God, overcoming, uh, breaking someone free from bondage, overcoming um, addictions and overcoming iniquities in a long, li- long lineage of brokenness in a family line. And a person comes to God and God changes that family line, cuts that iniquity off, and that's defeated once and for all. We see healings. We see emotional healings, mental healings, relational healings. We see an outbreak of the kingdom. Wherever you go, the kingdom goes with you. So whatever room of darkness you invade with God's direction and his power and authority, a light begins to shine. Whatever you work and wherever you go to school and wherever you walk and whatever you, wherever you find yourself, the kingdom is there. Because now the kingdom is in you. But one day this kingdom will be seen by all. It will be a physical kingdom as well. We saw Jesus come to establish the spiritual reality in each and every one of our hearts. But he's coming again to establish the physical reality as well and to bring all his enemies into submission. He's coming again and with him comes a judgment time. Now, the disciples asked Jesus just before he ascended to heaven, "Was is this the time? Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, he was telling them how they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then they said, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is this the physical kingdom coming now? They didn't realize there was going to be a gap between what Jesus just did and what he's going to do. They didn't realize that the church was going to play such a prominent role in continuing the work of Jesus on the earth. They didn't realize that. So they're saying, is this it? is it going to happen is it going to happen tomorrow this week at the end of the week when, is this is this a, is this what we all been waiting for and he said to them it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and jesus was commissioning them don't worry about when that's going to happen you go and continue to do what i've been doing that will happen but it's not for you to know when. What you need to do is you need to continue to do what I've been doing and receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that your life is filled with God's rule and reign. That you're not being ruled by self, by sin, by brokenness, by anything except the Holy Spirit so that you can replicate and and shine that light And break those bondages and bring this good news and proclaim salvation and declare our God reigns to those around you amen so in Matthew 24 14 Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come now when we think about this this is why this is so important you and I are members of the family of God it's called the church and our primary purpose here on the earth is to continue to do what Jesus called us to do. In fact, his return is, hinges on the church preaching the gospel to all the nations, to all the world. So that has to happen before Jesus returns and establishes the third phase of the physical kingdom. And so this is why this is so important. It's not just, we're not just here to get saved individually and then to live a, a, just a life of you know, self-indulgence and self-success and trying to make the most of our, our life. No, we are commissioned by God to shine the light wherever there's darkness, to bring this good news everywhere we go and wherever God tells us to go. To all the nations, to the people in our school, the people at our job, the people in our neighborhood, the people in our community—we're called to go, go, and make disciples. Share the good news of the kingdom. Baptize people. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you to obey, and I will be with you. That's the calling upon every single one of us—not just a pastor, you know, or a leader, uh, or someone who went to Bible college. It's—it's it's on every one of us. We are all part of proclaiming (coughs) the good news to people. So we see that the return of Jesus and the final phase of the kingdom of God will not come until the church finishes preaching this good news to all the nations. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about this a little bit. Verse 3 says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. The sun sets, the sun rises, it just keeps going and going. And they're just being skeptical, scoffers, mockers. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So he's going to come again. Sure. Where's that? I don't see it. It's been 2,000 years. And they'll scoff at this. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Remember the story of Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God is outside of time. He's, uh, you know, time is, is not a, an issue with God. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The reason Jesus isn't here yet is because he's patiently wooing and waiting for others to repent and be saved and for the church to get that good news to people so they can repent and be saved but the day of the lord will come like a thief the heavens will disappear with a roar the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way what kind of people ought you to be You ought, and now he answers his own question, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Do you see that? We are speeding the return of Jesus when we are taking seriously and acting upon the commission to share the good news with the nations, with people. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. So that is the good news of the kingdom. I also want to talk about this phrase to proclaim peace, to proclaim peace. Now, I do this almost once a year. I share the Hebrew word for peace, and uh, you may already know what it is. It's pronounced shalom, and it looks like this in the Hebrew letters. And we read it from right to left, and um, it means peace, or it's translated as peace. But in Hebrew, it can mean a lot of things, a lot more than just maybe whatever's conjured up in your mind is peace. It can mean harmony, wholeness, completeness, uh, prosperity, welfare, tranquility, and it also kind of means, I like this description, nothing missing, nothing broken. The other thing I want to share with you, which I I like to share once a year or so, is the pictographic uh, meaning. Now, this fancy word means pictures, and what does this sentence mean when you look at the pictures, the pictographic meaning? So, these ancient letters came from pictures. Uh, And so the picture of sheen was uh, some teeth, and it can mean uh, to destroy. So I'm going to use the word destroy. And then the next word or letter, lamed, came from a picture of a shepherd's staff, which represented leadership or authority or teaching. So I'm going to say to destroy the authority. So I'm going to use authority for lamed. Then this vav is a is a tent peg that's it's connecting like a nail connects wood together. So to destroy the authority connected to because this is vav, so this is sheen, lamed, vav and mem is a picture used to the, used to look like this and it looked like water. And in the ancient world water represented chaos. And so Shalom, the pictographic meaning of this word, could be to destroy the authority connected to the chaos. And this is exactly what we see in the forming of creation. There was chaos, darkness, formlessness, nothingness. And God took that chaos and he made something. And then sin brought the chaos back. And so our whole world has been uh, infested with sin, which has caused chaos, death, brokenness, hurt, pain, all kinds of crud. And so God comes back. The light comes back into the darkness to recreate us. That's why we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He comes back into the chaos that we've created, and he destroys the authority that brought that chaos which is the devil and sin itself. Hallelujah. So this is peace. Peace is actually warfare. Jesus has come to defeat our enemy, to defeat sin, to defeat the devil, and to defeat devil on your uh, uh, death on your behalf. That's why we proclaim peace to people. You can have peace with God. We, We need to tell this to people. You can have peace with God. You can have peace, wholeness, You can be made alive again. You can be set free. And so Shalom, that's what, in 1 John 3, 8, it says the reason the Son of God, the reason Jesus appeared, was to destroy the enemy's work. (laughs) To destroy the enemy's work. To destroy the enemy's chaos that he's created in your life. By defeating sin and defeating the devil's work, we are renewed, reborn, reborn healed, made whole, restored to life abundant. Just as Jesus said, he came to give us life and give it abundantly to you and to me. Sin is the devil's work. Our sin cost us our relationship with God and our very lives. So Jesus makes a way for us to be restored in our relationship with God and to be saved from death by granting us eternal life. This is peace. This is why we proclaim peace to people. We have good news to share. Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. How? He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed... Listen to this. Disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. You can have peace with God. Isn't that awesome? You can have peace on earth. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the ruler of peace. He's the one who does this for us. And he is the only one who can destroy the devil's work. So he destroys the authority of chaos and brings your life into order and peace and wholeness is restored to you. You're restored to the relationship with God. If you submit to Jesus as your ruler, he will set you free from the the rulership of sin and the devil. Acts 10.38, Peter's talking to Cornelius and he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So we proclaim peace, reconciliation to God, to people. You can be reconciled to God, and you can be restored to life. Finally, I got one other uh, word I want to share with you. Um, And this word, you may know if I give you a couple hints. Some of you may... Uh, know it right away? I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to write this next word up here. And it has to do with salvation. Isaiah 52.7 also says, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. So this word is translated salvation in our Bible. In Hebrew it looks like this. I'm going to write it up here. Hopefully you can see this. All Alright. And uh, this is uh, probably one of the, the probably the most famous word um, in Hebrew to Christians and Messianic uh, Jews, and it is pronounced Yeshua. Yeshua. If I was to write out phonetically in English, it might look like this. And of course, Yeshua is where we get our name, Jesus. <laughs> I love this. And so, this Old Testament verse, 52-7, says, proclaim salvation. So, we are bringing good news, we're proclaiming peace, we're bringing good tidings, and we're proclaiming salvation. This is the word in that verse, in in Isaiah 52-7. We are proclaiming Yeshua. We're proclaiming Jesus. Jesus is salvation. That's what his name means. We even see that in the scriptures. In Luke uh, 2, verses 10 to 11, uh, an angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, a Savior. Okay, so this is what the... uh this is what the angels there said to the shepherds. And then an angel appears to Joseph in Matthew 1.21 and says, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Okay, so, of course, the, this angel is not speaking English, okay? So he, he would have said, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins because he will, Yeshua... His people from their sins. You're to give him the name Yeshua because he is going to Yeshua, basically. Okay? There's a variation of Yeshua that means to save. This one means salvation. You know, just like salvation is spelled this way and to save is spelled this way. It's the same root word, it's just a variation of that word. So you're to call his name salvation, because he is going to save. Awesome. So now we proclaim salvation to people. We proclaim Jesus to people. We share Jesus with people. He is the Messiah. He is the name of the deliverer that God promised thousands of years ago. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to God except through me, except what I have done. You can't be reconnected to God except me. That's what Jesus was sharing. Romans ten thirteen though, says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. On the one hand, Jesus is like, there's no way except me. Sounds really exclusive. Well, it is, because Jesus is the only one who has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. But on the other hand, everyone, Who calls on him will be saved so it's not exclusive it's just this is the way there's not many ways there's only one way it's Jesus but everybody who calls on his name believes in him will be saved we proclaim Jesus to people John 5 24 Jesus says I tell you the truth whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned he has crossed over From death to life. If you haven't already made that decision, today, cross over that line from death to life. Jesus can be your Savior too. Just call on Him. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe in you. I surrender to you. I'm all yours. Save me. Deliver me. Let me be born again. I place my faith in you that I might become a child of God. And I can be rescued out of this, this kingdom of darkness and brokenness and grafted into the kingdom of light and victory. And I say victory because Isaiah 52, 7 says, also say to Zion, your God reigns. It might not always always look like it, but God is ruling and he's reigning. And the kingdom of God is here in the church. And we are to continue the work that Jesus came to do and what he started to do so now you and I how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those and we're those who bring good news who proclaim peace who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation Jesus and who says your God reigns so let's open our mouths let's go out to those around us and begin to be those proclaimers to bring that good news to people I'll finish with this Romans 10 14 and 15 says how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard do you realize there are people right now that are waiting to hear this good news they need to hear it from you in their context in their situation in their environment in their set of circumstances they need good news this is the good news that you get to bring to them, that Jesus can be their savior. They can have peace with God. They can be rescued out of bondage and brokenness and death itself. They can be free from the devil's grip. They can experience life abundant now and yet to come. And so Paul goes on to say, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And then Paul quotes this verse in Isaiah. He says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are called to bring this good news. This verse out of Isaiah is now upon you and me, as Paul describes. Now it's our turn to bring this good news. Isaiah brought that good news to the exiles in Babylon Babylon many years ago, but now we are bringing this good news of Jesus Right now to our world. We are partakers and proclaimers of this good news. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you give us a heart for the lost. That you give us a passion for proclaiming this good news. That you open our eyes to see the people around us who have lost their way. Who are groping in the darkness as it is who need you as their Savior. Give us a heart for these people. Give us a passion to share this good news. And let us see our lives count for eternity's sake. Lord, I just pray your anointing on each one here today, listening to this message, that they will be empowered by your Holy Spirit to see what you see in the people around them, to see those that you love And you you care for and you died for to to get that message to them. May we have a great impact, Lord, with our lives that you've given us. May we also enjoy the peace that you have for us. uh, Walk into the abundant life that you have for us. Be filled with love and joy and peace and healing and wholeness. May you continue that work in us. But may you also continue that work through us to those around us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, the Prince of Peace. Let peace rule and reign in your life and in your family in his name. Amen. God bless you.